2: honesty is key in any relationship if your friend asks you how you are feeling tell them honestly if you're going through a difficult time let them know opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference after all they are your mates for a reason let's all take a moment to talk more than football
0: yeah how's your week been
1: um yeah do you know what? it went by really quickly um i mean it didn't it went by exactly the same pace as all time passes because that's the nature of time, isn't it? Um, and we can't change that, no matter how much we try. Um, it is the same. But uh, it, yeah, it just seemed to be a bit, a bit of a blur. Really, uh, I couldn't really pinpoint anything meaningful that I did. Uh, so my
0: Saturday was definitely a blur. Um, <laughs> way, way too much, way too much beer was consumed in and around Stourhead Park yesterday.
1: Um, that seems fair it, enough. I mean, you can't really. Um, can't really sort of avoid that can you these days Uh,
0: well you you know aside from anything else I was obviously not at my seat for the first half so um yeah now to consume beer while uh whilst watching on the screen Um,
1: yeah which again must have been very compelling you know because all of a sudden that's you know it's not not great not being at your seat for for you know suitable reasons but um but yeah by the same token being able to watch beer, uh, consume beer while watching football at the ground is it's a lovely novelty isn't it
0: without a queue because there was only you know mm. only about 200 of us out
1: there i presume um, you were always queuing behind chris clark though because that's generally what happens at any bar that he's in the vicinity of
0: yeah um chris i blame chris for a lot of why i feel the way i do uh, or did waking <laughs> up um, it, it's yeah. like Drink isn't consumed at a reasonable pace. It's lined up, you know, several beers in front. It's just not necessary and an expensive waste. Uh, But there we go. Um, Yeah,
1: I mean, look, on one side, you've got to admire the planning skills and the the thought and the preparation that goes into it. On the other side, as you say, is it entirely necessary? Probably not. But, you know, what can you do? Um,
0: I could say no, couldn't
1: I? you, You could, couldn't you? Yeah. But but where's the fun in that? Um so there was a few things like obviously we're we're doing this without a, a show doc and stuff, but um you know, not that it makes that much of a difference, but there's a few other things uh, you know, to sort of chat about in general, isn't there? But um I don't know. I don't know how like I don't know how I feel about Palace right now. I think I keep seeing lots of people kind of veering from anger to apathy. Um but there's still plenty yep. of people out there who are who are very kind of excited about the potential in the future and feel like we haven't really had a a lot of luck. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. I feel like we're in a position now where we're almost sort of running out of excuses as to why we can't put a run of good results together. But when you look at the table, a good performance is together. Sorry. And when you look at the table, we're still getting decent enough results to, to be yep. in and around mid table. So it feels really odd. I'm like, I'm happy with, Points tally now. I have to say, looking at fixtures, I feel a little bit like it could get, you know, especially looking at you know Luton. You're sort of looking at uh, we have to get three points there. You know, even though it's an away game and it's a tough place to go, and they're doing all right. You know, people aren't blowing them away, but you got to get three points there. But the games I was kind of picking out where I was thinking, well, we should get a decent run of results. Like, I think. Bournemouth beating Newcastle it was a bit of an eye-opener, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, let's just, Newcastle do have a lot of injuries and at least we've got ours back. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, some of the, some of those sides, you know, uh, just at the time of recording, just what Forest. okay, they lost in an almost identical manner to us three two. At West Ham. They look decent, um, you know, creative. So, it's slightly worrying, but the, the apathetic thing hits me. Um, like, as we were all queuing, because there was only one security guard checking two two lines to get in yesterday, you know, missing the start of the game. Um, Sam, ex of this parish, just tapped me on the shoulder and said, Should we fuck it off and just go to the Clifton? And I was really, <laughs> really tempted to say, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so.
1: Yeah, I bet. Yeah. It's, it shouldn't be that way, really, should it? And again, I don't necessarily blame anyone, but like, yeah i mean i to be honest with you i've i've been i've been there like there was a spell for me where i was doing every game home and away um you know long trips on many buses up to the northeast of the country and all this kind of stuff just and i would arrive hammered and i'd get home hammered and it was it was to be honest with you as the, the football got in the way sometimes you know um so i've, I've been there where i'm like should <laughs> we just go out yeah forget forget the forget the sort of standing in the cold watching the football but obviously that's not the point you do you you and I I don't get to anywhere near as many games as I would like and I do and I kind of do miss that to some degree but I've got to say what I don't miss is every week you know when I used to go every single week every single game I don't miss that moment of the game ending you've lost the match or you've played badly and then you've got your journey home. Like t- to me, that's the thing that used to, it was always something that I would think about before I went to the football. I was always like, am I going to be coming home at the end of this miserable? And particularly when it was a long trip, It's a long time to be miserable.
0: <laughs> this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network. Talk sport powered by fans.
2: Alexa. Play Back of the Nest podcast. Playing Back of the Nest, CPFC podcast from Amazon Music. Back of the Nest, now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music.
1: Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm Chris Hambling and joining me today, well, it's, it's just Mike Scott. Hi, Mike.
0: Just Mike, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, Carla is not well. So she it's is a shame. laid up in bed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it happens though, you know, got a little bit of a sore throat myself. I'm just saying, like, I'm here, just, you know.
0: Yeah, and I'm hungover as fuck, so.
1: <laughs> commitment sometimes, isn't it? That's what I'm just all I'm going to get at, really. But, um, but and um, I suppose, yeah, yeah, we've obviously here to talk about a, a really disappointing result, um, but a, a bit of an odd one, you know, because the performance, particularly from an attacking sense, um, wasn't, wasn't terrible. Um, and for long periods of the game, we were the dominant side. But um, I think conceding three at home to Everton is should serve as something of a wake up call um, to us doing the same thing in the same shape every single week, in my opinion. Um, but uh, and sort of set off a few alarm bells, really, because you know, as we were just kind of talking about pre show, when you start looking at the fixtures and some of the results that are happening, you know, and I and I don't want to be that the sort of harbinger of doom but let's say we don't get a result against Luton I can feasibly see you know <laughs> maybe one or two chances for a for a win where I might expect a win in the course of every match taking us to the 30th of January where we play Sheffield United at home where I would expect a win prior to that you know Bournemouth it's Bournemouth and Luton really are the games where I think we should have a very good chance of a victory. The rest of them, you know, we're going to have to be very, very good in all of those games to get anything from them. To me, that's worrying. Like I, I, again, there's enough going on in the, you know, Premier League that we shouldn't shouldn't probably fear getting relegated. But um, but you know, we're going to have to really improve to get to get to this top half finish we keep talking about. Um, but there you are, anyway. So I yeah, that's where I am at the minute um, but I guess we've got a few things to talk about before we get into the details of the game some good news throughout the course of the week obviously so latest in a long line of players committing themselves to Palace for the long haul um, um Shani's contract 2027 it expires obviously we know contracts doesn't necessarily mean he's at Palace till twenty twenty seven but puts us in a stronger position. Uh are the likes of Man City and Spurs come back in for him um you know January onwards really. So but a really good statement of a in statement of intent and you know I'm sure a really good boost in wages for him but he deserves it. He's an England international now.
0: Yeah, he absolutely does. Um and Paris has a decent track record of um, using those longer contracts when needs be to either wait for exactly what he's asked him for in cash or to keep the player as long as possible. So, um, yeah, that's a really good sign. He was fairly um, fairly downbeat in the post-match interview. He said the same thing as you. Um, three goals against Everton at home is absolutely unacceptable. Um so I think they caught him straight after the game. He's not going to be in the best mood, especially after what happened to him with the with the yellow card and stuff, which I'm sure we'll get onto. Um, but it's it's huge. Him and and then Elise coming back on, on you know the the largest chant of the of the whole game inside Selhurst was when Alise Elise came on. So that's just two great things.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, look, and I think you know the bottom line is that he didn't have to sign that deal. You know, I know. As I, as I was saying, contracts don't necessarily mean too much, but it would have been fairly straightforward for him to have just said, like, I, you know, not going to make a decision on my future right now and just let that situation roll on. So the kind of, yes, there's reward in it for him, but yeah, you have to you have to admire both the club um, and their timing and the, the, the standard of their negotiations and the reward that they're giving players who, you know, contribute massively to Palace. And look, you know, first half in particular, he was absolutely on fire. He was outstanding. Um and just yeah, I think probably just the lack of minutes this season caught up with him. Well the lack of minutes recently caught up with him. Um and he just tired sort of into the second half and didn't quite make the same impact. But you know, uh really, really very, very happy about that. And you, again you've got to admire the club. It just occurred to me to mention as well that there was a newspaper rumour Talking about the staff at the club and all that kind of stuff. There's a newspaper rumour that Man United are interested in Dougie Friedman as a, as a sporting director. Um, don't know if you had seen that, but if you hadn't thought Jesus Christ. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Apparently apparently some, wow. some person who's joining with Jim Ratcliffe um has been impressed with his talent recruitment and felt feels like he might they might want him for them. So we'll see if that happens, right?
0: Well he's not he's not gonna get away with hiding in the shadows and not making any interviews if um if he's front and centre at Man United, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a shame. He's um yeah, the that he's proved himself time and time again.
1: We'll see if anything comes of that. Um again, a lot of newspaper talk and stuff, but you never know. Um obviously forging a, a bit of a reputation for himself. Um so yeah, a couple of other things as well. I know the 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 Palace Women are I think they're probably just finished their game. Um yeah as we were so it, was, it,
0: it was three. I was meant to go be going with Cara. Um so big shame. Um it was three two to Palace. So Molly May Sharp with the winner. Uh well she she put the third in and then Lewis who, who were bottom anyway um got uh, a, a late consolation but um another solid win and with a game in hand they're only a point behind the two top teams so there is a realistic chance and i'm not going to jinx it that mm. palace women could be in the wsl next season
1: which is um would just be a f- absolutely phenomenal achievement so keep a close eye on that um so mixed fortunes for the for the younger youngsters the uh, the 21s were playing in the uh i think it's the premier league cup um I'm pretty sure that's what it's called <laughs> my brain's just completely gone yes yeah, it's called premier league cup so Played Ipswich Town. Um, it was a home game. It was at Sut- Sutton's ground, um, and yeah, four nil down at half time was totally unexpected. Um, got absolutely battered in that first half. Had a you know an opportunity or two, but I think we'd made some pretty significant changes because we played in the week um, against AFC Wimbledon um, in the in the um, what what's that cup called now? That's going to do my head in. Is it the Papa John's still? Papa John's, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I always, my brain always goes Johnston's paint for some reason, but um, <laughs> I think it's the same trophy anyway. But yeah, uh, yeah, lost two 0 in that game. But really well, hard fought game. And obviously, we played um, played a couple of uh, players who've been sort of in and around the, the first team area, like uh, buA and Hamada played in that game for for sixty four minutes. Uh, Ozo has obviously been around the bench a, a few times, and Wells Morrison, who's been in some first team squads. So we we played some decent players in that game, um, but obviously you always find it with the with the, even with our kind of best set of twenty ones, just playing against a men's team is often you know that little step too far. So I think maybe there was a little hangover against Ipswich. Because um, the second half we we improved immeasurably, um, and got two goals back. David Ozo got one, uh, and Danny Imre uh, got another. But obviously, trying to overturn a four-goal deficit was um, was a bit much. And, and to be honest, Whitworth made a, a fair few saves to keep us in it. So uh, disappointing that was for sure. But the the 18s um, sort of uh, yeah beat um, West Brom two one. Um, Seb Williams and Hindolo Mustafa with the goals. Um, yeah, West Brom sort of pulled one back towards towards the hour in the second half. But uh, again, really good, strong result. I think, um, again, I think it's back-to-back wins, if I'm, I think I'm right in saying. Because um, they had a... Didn't they have like a... They smashed Tottenham, I think, the week before. We talked about that last week. My brain's gone. Cause, no, we didn't do a pod last week. That's why it's confusing me. Um, <laughs> they smashed... We, yeah, we, we yeah,
0: we haven't covered that. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so smashed t- uh, Spurs 5-2 five, five, with another Zach Marsh hat-trick. So, um, yeah, again, two strong performances in a row and, um, you, yeah, got things going really well for the 18s. But a little dip from the 21s, but, you know, that happens in, in youth football. So I think those were all the things that I wanted to catch up on, I think. You know, I don't know if we talked yeah, about IE's new contract.
0: Got, they got Stevenage, I think, on in the midweek. Um, so yeah. maybe they can bounce back. Um, I don't know if Chris Clark's going to be going to tick off another of his ninety-two. No, and even in the league team. I don't. Yeah,
1: know. I th- they they were until recently. I think they probably still are.
0: Okay. Um, so <laughs> anyone going to that kudos, kudos to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, damn right. No, it's um, you know, I used to instinctively know stuff like that. Yeah, they're in League One. Yeah, there you go. So um, yeah, Jesus. They were non-league of old, weren't they? And they I yeah. I've forgotten, name. yeah. For, forgotten the name of the guy who, who was uh, instrumental in getting them up and then left to join Preston and was terrible and never really recovered. But I forget his name, and I, I think probably most people have. Um, but there we go. Sh- sh- you only
0: going to know if you play football manager all the time.
1: I think. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, have, I have sort of started a game of the new one, uh, but I've got as far as starting the game and then hitting save and I haven't gone back to it because I fear what might happen. So um but it means I have played every one since Championship Manager nineteen ninety two, ninety three. I've played every year. I think you so.
0: can just get like the modern stats for championship manager ninety three or that like, about yeah. just, yeah, just yeah. play that.
1: It was definitely easier. <laughs> one formation, you know, and you'd just win every time. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Um it's hard to know really where to start with the game I suppose we some, I attempted to start with with what you know Hutchin had said at the end to some degree um so, so yeah let's do that so he, he said to match of the day it's frustrating uh, because we conceded so early in the first half then we did well I thought to get that equalizer at half time we were really confident that we could go out and continue in the way that we have been playing uh, but we conceded yet again after a couple of minutes. I thought it was a really good effort then, and we played well then to make it 2-2. That would have been a good result on the day, having been behind twice. So to concede the third goal is, of course, very frustrating and saddening because it leaves me feeling like we could and should have done better today to hold on to that point we had. So a we'll company does talk about SA being booked for diving, which we'll come back to because that's a, probably a main talking point from the week as well. But I, I'm really conscious that what i'm probably doing is is looking at roy's comments and nitpicking to some degree but there's a couple of little red flags for me in there because i agree with him it was frustrating and i'm gonna nail my colors firmly to the mast i thought our performance was a lot better than of late and i was quite happy with it and, and as i was saying pre-show it's like against burnley we got a lot of messages from of people saying it's the result that counts not the performance because let's face it we didn't do a pub half the reason we didn't do a pub was because the the game was just so boring like and i know everybody who went to burnley did an amazing job of enjoying themselves (laughs) because i have no idea how people were screaming shouting and celebrating the way they were that game because I felt I found it so destroying to watch. I was so bored. I've never been that bored watching Palace. That's not true. That is, I take that back. I've been much much. No, more that, bored. that's that's not yeah. true at all. Is it? Sorry, I apologise <laughs> unreservedly for that comment. But it's been a while since I've been that bored watching Palace. Um, it's certainly the most boring two 0 Palace win I've, I can remember for a long while. So to sort of then have you know, read those comments and think you you know, you're right, it's an away game. Picking up points is a really good thing to do in the Premier League. It's really tough. Um, you know, and, and two teams make a game and they didn't make much of a game of it. So I can't be too frustrated. But then you come to this week and you're like, I felt so much better watching it, especially first half. I was just thinking, at least we're you know, we're giving it a go. We should never have conceded that early goal. It was, once again, starting the game completely asleep, and I hated it. And but we came straight back into it, and then we didn't let up. We didn't get level, and then let up. And I felt like we got all this momentum, and we should have, should and could have scored maybe two, three before half time. But then at half time, I'm like, I really hope that we come out from half time and just just keep going for it, like push. But I feel like we came out like we've been told to kind of reset get everybody get back in your shape everybody you know get organized let's start the game again and if you keep doing it you'll win and then Roy Hutchinson comes out and says you know we continue the way we've been playing um, but do you see what I mean you're saying we conceded early in the first half but then we conceded early in the second half but because that's because you wanted to carry on the same plan it, well, we didn't concede in the first half through anything other than being exposed by our shape and our tactics. Again, somebody came, you know, Everton came with a game plan and they exploited it in the pretty much the first minute. And then they exploited a the similar, you know, plan at the start of the second half. Because again, we came out, not passive, I keep saying the word passive, but we came out measured, like this calm, measured approach. And teams know if they press us and they work us and they run at us and they put us under pressure, we can, you know, we will make mistakes, unfortunately. So, you know, that's a really long way of me saying how confused I am about about the comments afterwards. Um, Mike, I'll, I'll let you sort of come in on that before I, I say my last bit on it.
0: Yeah, the juxtaposition between the change at half-time back to how it was at the start of the game again. And him saying that he wanted to carry on exactly as we finished the half mm. was odd. Um, but the the basic issue is with those kind of tactics and the way Roy likes to take a game when it goes in that direction, it involves there being no individual errors. Um, and there definitely were a plethora of indi- individual errors. I'm not just talking about not scoring, but mainly I'm talking defence. I, I thought both of the um, the right and left sides they absolutely crucified us, um, mm. and all of their goals were avoidable. Um, yeah. I, I'm not saying that you would expect. You know, they had the chances they created. Were they had some great chances, um, and you know they were lucky to hit the post. Unlucky to hit the post in the first place before the before the tapping. Yeah. Um, so it's it's the fact that. In order for something to go exactly as planned, there can't be a mistake from Joel Ward. And there's gonna be a mistake from Joel Ward mm. because he's a 34-year-old <laughs> like player that came from Portsmouth and has stayed way longer than you know, he's he's been an absolute servant for the club. Mm. But you've got to write in the odd error from especially from from our left and right backs. Um so it could have easily been 3-2 the other way. Um and we'd have all been, you know, a lot happier. But yeah. I think Roy will be hurting because he does not like to concede any goals, let alone three like that. You know, he'd have much preferred a tight as anything 1 0 Tony Pulis exercise. Um, yeah. You know, he'd have much preferred, <laughs> it, he, would, he would have been over the moon um, at, with the Burnley result. I mean, there's yes. no question. Um, and, you know, we haven't done a pod since he apologised for the comments that we. Absolutely slated him for in the last pod that we did, um, and he's 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 clearly learned from that, and his his post match interview was was very calm, very measured, and I think made some good points. Um, he's he would be absolutely fuming with them. Come come Monday morning, he's going to give them a mouthful. I don't doubt that.
1: Well, look, I'll say a couple of things, right? So first of all, like, just an observation um, that in a game we lost. Um, other than the the change of elise for Schlupp uh, on sixty seven mins we only made we only used two other now we got a lot of players back but we've only used two other subs and one was an eighty three minutes like for like and one is an eighty nine minutes like for like you know and it goes back to some of the problems that i do have with uh with roy Hodgson. and in in essence there wasn't necess- i mean prior to conceding in the eighty sixth minute the third goal the subs were about consolidation really just continue doing what you're doing so despite the fact that again watching the game the flow of the game first half and second half when we built momentum Everton were there for us to to beat they really were they didn't have too many answers for us um you know we we kind of just uh you know let them off the hook really um by you know you mentioned it yourself in terms of the goals that they came. They were the bit, They weren't the same goal. They came from different areas of the pitch, but they came from occupying or running through spaces that we leave every week because of the shape that we have. So our fullbacks start wide, come narrow as as we concede ground on the pitch, and then we're we're expecting our central midfielders and our wide forwards to come back and cover those spaces, right? But because they're coming backwards, running at their own goal if your opponent has their midfielders and their wide forwards that in those spaces between fullback and center back or somebody like gay for example with the last goal who just takes a takes a chance just runs into a space we find it really hard to follow them because we're trying to stick to our shape and our philosophy is around closing space intercepting passes creating you know an inhospitable environment for people to play football in you know that's basically how we defend you know it's not too many it's not too much closing down is what i'm trying to say i guess so when your opponent has done their homework as sean dyche has done and said okay they're not going to close you down they're going to close the space so just run through run into the gaps and we've put it to happen three times in the same game You have to ask questions of whether or not we're in that point in time where we know we're not going to change. Our current manager and coaching staff are not going to change anything because they would be of the opinion it's going to be damaging to do so. Everybody knows their job. Everybody knows what we're going to do. And it's the safest way for us to get the right number of points on the board to stay in this league. So we know that's what's going to happen for the rest of the season. But this is where my biggest problem with everything that we're doing right now it's short termism and it can be damaging. It can be extremely damaging because you know we're gonna go on a really tough run now and if we pull out the the usual unbelievable performance where we beat a man city or or a Liverpool or whatever and you know really upset the apple cart kind of thing play some nice football i'll be really really happy if it if it turns around again especially with all the players back but what i fear is we're going to have all the players back and this predicted you know leap in form that everybody's been expecting when everyone came back and especially with Eze and Elise together if that doesn't happen what the hell do we do cuz you know
0: this is, well, this
1: is what's out there you know
0: what i would say is I thought Lerma was one of the best players on the pitch. And, mm. you know, I've, I've nailed colours to the mast several times and, and think that he is a huge asset. Um, and I know not everyone is, is is totally of that opinion. But the thing that Everton have is incredible skill down the flanks. Mm. I don't think every team has that. A lot of them at the moment seem to be playing down the middle. And I think we'll be able to deal with that a hell of a lot better. But like you say... Um, you'd expect Sean Dyche to do his homework. He's an incredible manager. I don't think Burnley would have lost the way they lost to us if he'd still been at Burnley. Um, you know, I, he, he really, he's an absolute master of that. Um, I think we're going to do all right against teams that don't have the, skill, the same skill set as Everton. Mm. So, um, and, and, and the great thing was, we did, we absolutely run them ragged, their, their defence as well. You know, the, all the things that we yep. were complaining about um for Spurs where you know we weren't we were letting them just pass the ball between them at the back to was waste time without anyone closing down. None of that happens, but the cost of that is being a lot more open at the back. Um because like you say, the the, the forwards are not are not gonna be able to suddenly get back and cover in front of Tyrick or, or or Joe Ward in anywhere near the same speed as they would be if they're twenty yards further back than they were on Saturday. So it's a difficult one, and I don't want to be the pod that complains that it's not happening, and then when it does happen, complain as well. (laughs) Um, So I I think that those tactics would work against a lot of the teams in the Premier League, and I, I, you know, with with Elise and Eze back. But by the way, Hodgson referred to him again as Eze, so I don't know if he's just if Eze's been. Playing with us about his name the whole time. I mean, um, he still
1: seems to say it as a. But I mean, he called Roy Hodgson called him as a. But he also calls Dougie Friedman Doug. So yeah, yeah, you know, true. you got to remember that as well. So he he, he <coughs> yeah, decided true. a long time ago what the pronunciation is, and he won't change. He won't change. Yeah. change a lot of things. Does not like change. Let's face it. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so i i i don't I don't think that those tactics are. Um, ones that should be f- f- thrown away, you know, just because he conceded three. I mean, it, he might not be happy with them. He might want to go back to the way that we've been playing the last few games. Um, but I, I, I think we'll just, we will be successful. It just, it will be at very odd times against teams that maybe we didn't expect because they play down the middle.
1: Yeah, look, it's certainly we're certainly playing percentage football in terms of both in the games and and. You know, in in general, in, for the course of the season, you know, we we have the philosophy, our approach will win us enough points, and yeah, like you say, it might be sometimes hard to predict where those points will be won. Um, and but you know, like I said, my my concern is, you know, the the excuses will start to to run out, and for me, that you should not be we shouldn't be excusing, and you know, Roy Hodgson hasn't tried to excuse um, conceding three poor goals against Everton. Um, but I suppose I'm looking for more than just wish that shouldn't have happened. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Let's all take a moment
1: to talk more than football happened. I'm, you know, I'm looking for the kind of like some reaction, some, some change, some rather than just saying like, yeah, that, uh, that was bad. That shouldn't happen. Like I'm talking about game management. I'm talking about recognizing where the danger is coming from in a game and doing something about it. Do you remember like with Spurs when I was on completely the wrong side? Like we really needed him over the other other side. And we waited till half time to do it. You know, that would be my the best way I can I can express what I think what I'm trying to request, what I expect to see. I want us to be looking at how Everton scored their goals, not being focused on the fact that we got level pretty quickly and were dominating the game. I think we still should have I would expect the defence in particular to have kind of picked up on what the issue was and tried to organize ourselves a bit better. And I don't know if it's fair to ask, you know, Shlop and Ayu in particular as our, our, you know, wide forwards who are being asked to track back. If it was fair to say, guys, you're going to have to start deeper and it, yeah, it will affect our attacking play because I'll probably be seeing him moaning about that. So yeah, I, I don't know. And I suppose the only, the the last thing I wanted to mention really on, on the kind of, comments it was again with lots of reference to you know the point if you like so we played well to make it 2-2 two, two, and that would have been a good result but it's like no 2-2 two, two would have been would have been a, a a point earned when we should have had all three that's so to describe 2-2 two, two as a good result on the day having been behind twice i know what he's saying and i know to some degree i'm nitpicking but like Two two is not a good result against Everton at home. It's an it's an okay result, but not a good result. Um, so I just I wish the mentality was different. I really do.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I felt the same. Um, I can you know with with five minutes to go, I I was very much I, I'd have took a a, a two all mm. um, because I saw how open we were and because I'd put a bet on the draw before the game, um which uh you know always always adds something. Um yeah the the thing is if he's if he's micromanaging them and he doesn't trust footballers to take their own initiative which you know is is fine if you you know he's got 50 years 150 years of managing experience um he probably does know better um but he can only impact when there's a stoppage, half time, whatever. Um, and you're right, I don't think that the players have enough autonomy on their own to be able to do those kind of things. Um so it's basically it a game like that becomes a lottery, you know, and we were on the wrong end of it. Another day we won't be. Um it, that, that's that's why it hurts more than if we'd have gone if, we, if we'd have gone 2-0 down and not really got a fight back in us, we could just have a proper moan and just <laughs> say, yeah, we were shit. Um, but we were the better team. Um, and it was interesting that um, Max Rushton on uh, Talk Sport before the game said, the weird thing, I can't predict this game because both teams love to not have possession. And I kind of agreed. I thought whoever ended up with less possession was probably going to win the game. And we ended up having two-thirds of possession, um, yeah. which... I just, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Tony Pulis. Let's have 19% and beat them one 0 Kind of a man, but, um,
1: yeah. that's it yeah, it's a really interesting point that, and, and it's not not one I was thinking too much about. But, you know, the the, <laughs> the victor is the one who concedes the most possession is a really weird situation. Like, yeah, you can kind of like kind of kind of picture that mentality and that battle is a very odd one, but no, I don't know if we're reading. I, I don't know if we, I don't know if I'm reading too much into the kind of impact of those halftime talks, but I, I find myself in a place where I suppose, cause we've seen it so much that the first half has been abject and, you know, or at least dull and we're nil nil or something. I think the majority of, of our games have been nil nil at halftime or well, certainly nil for us. Um, like, and then seeing us do something in the break that that we see an improvement, I always think we we have tended to struggle in the second half of games where we've actually played well in the first half, whether whatever the result is, however it's happening, I think we struggle with that. no, it's working, keep going, guys. I think as soon as we do that, you know, I think our opponents almost. We're almost handing it to them because I think we just struggle. And then we're trying to react from the bench. Like you've been, been saying, it's hard hard to get the proper influence there.
0: That's a great point. And the fact that we've got as paper thin squad as we have means that in in almost any game, we're not going to be consistent across 90 minutes. It, ju- it just isn't going to happen. Um, you know, the, the players that he relies on, you know, schlup for example, I, I don't see Schlupp finishing 90 minutes too often this season. Um because he just runs himself into the ground f- for Roy's way of playing him, um and he's t- he's too old to be doing what he's doing for that length of time, so
1: almost uh, uh, keeping, yeah.
0: every- keeping everything all right until half time is um it has been relatively effective, but you know when you when you can see the way we did i mean before I- before I'd even managed to get inside the ground, we all heard ah oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and um, by the time I got in there, it was just just for the penalty. But um, you know, I don't know how we're going to provide a, a solid ninety minutes with as few players as we have that are actually first team worthy for Roy.
1: No, it's no, but it's tough. But again, I mean, if you if you look at you know Everton's line um, lineup on the day, and like what how, you know, I don't necessarily need to to pick out this this game specifically, but like their their approach. Again, Deich is is a quite an old school manager, right? You know, he's not you know, he's he's similarly not made too many but he made a half time change, you know, he took he took Anana off and, and put gay on at, at half time. Um and and you know made a made a change and around you know, took taking Calvert Lewin off as well, some some point in the second half. Um quite quite late on, but not that late on if you know what I mean. So like he's he's made a really decisive change at half time, and you know whilst yeah I agree we don't necessarily have the squad to to get give people ninety minutes. We played a team who are the closest in terms of approach as to as to how we operate, which is basically to try and get ninety minutes out of the team that started the game, and I just think it's a it's a very outdated approach uh, and and I think our substitutions are begrudging and like for like more often than not they're just like we may as well put these players on and you know just keep doing what you're doing and you know i think we are we have fallen behind in that respect and that's not all on the manager as you say it's about options that you have but i do feel like you know the options and the trust isn't there um with the rest of the team
0: i mean am i being Uh, harsh in saying I don't think Joe Ward should have played anywhere near as long of that game as he did. Am I am I being harsh?
1: I I don't think so, but like, but then I, I do feel like, yeah, um, you know, Klein isn't quite up to the level that he has been at. Maybe that's because he's got you know had a few injuries, or maybe that's because he just hasn't played as as much. You know, and he and he needs games to get to get full match fitness. But you look at the bench and you feel like you know, he could have certainly put Klein on for Ward um, because Ward was struggling at times, but Ward gives a thing that, that, that Roy Hodgson needs. And that is, he tucks in as an additional center back when Anderson is, is wandering or gay is wandering. you know, and Mitchell is sort of asked to do the same on the other side, but is, is a bit less effective at that. And that's where he gets exposed the most Mitchell. It's when he has to, he has to kind of come narrow. He, probably is is much more suited to being a more of a wing back than a fullback in my view. Even though he's very good one to one defending. But basically Ward, Anderson and Gay play as a back three for some of the game. Um and I actually think that that's probably much more sensible if you allow that to happen and you ask Mitchell to push up as a wing back. I'd be comfortable with that. But asking them to do it depending on which side the attack's coming from is just leaving gaps in space. And you're relying on, you know, you say Schlupp runs himself into the ground. Well, sometimes he does. Um, I And I hate saying it because one knows I'm not a big fan of Schlupp. But, like, I genuinely forgot he was playing for a large proportion of the game. And then he suddenly popped up on the ball. And I was like, and I and I know it's, I'm sure it's because he's doing the unglamorous stuff, right? The closing down space, you know chasing down putting pressure on here and there. i'm sure it's just he's doing that and i'm not noticing i wholeheartedly believe that i don't think he'd be in the side otherwise but he's not providing proper cover to mitchell because too often he gives up instead of running the full way back um too often he runs back and it's like the ball goes away from him and he just starts to starts to jog or slow down rather than you know thinking defensively about what the next move is you know but the, but you're thinking of, but again, we're talking about attackers defending and that in itself, we should have enough across Hughes and lerma uh, in this game anyway, sitting in front of a back four for there to be enough players to close the space we should have enough from them
0: we we, we should um I thought that Hughes didn't have a good game, and I know no. a lot of the people that I heard you know they people were getting frustrated with him. Um, yeah you you're right about sloppy he, he 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 was chasing shadows um and yeah. you know if you, if you if you followed him and you weren't paying attention to the ball um he 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 definitely did some yards um yeah. but he he needed to well and I yeah they they all needed to cover Hughes a little bit um I I don't know quite why Hughes didn't have a, a decent game because Lerma did um but that was that was a massive problem um and that yeah. was the
1: I feel like the, the problem yep. with Hughes there in this particular game was just kind of having. So, having Eze in front of him, you know, you're kind of thinking, well, that's great because he can just sit there, try and dictate play a little bit and just work in that, that engine room and not have to run around too much. But I think Everton did a really good job in the centre of stretching our midfield, sort of dragging them wide and pushing them back across and switching play through the midfield. And Hughes. Hughes's biggest weakness is his mobility you know he's not quick at all and turning is not quick you know um and if so if you get him constantly having to change direction and constantly having to run around he he's game he'll do it but you know he, he then he then loses the shape and I was very surprised he stayed on the pitch um, um, I honestly thought that that Schlupp, uh, when the substitute when the least they came on I honestly thought that it would be Hughes that went off and Schluck would be asked to play central. Because, um, uh, yeah, because cause Hughes was that poor. Um, but, I mean, look, people are allowed bad games. But, yeah, that was that was a bit of an eye-opener. And I expect him to come out uh, if Dakure is fully fit next week. Um, next week, two weeks' time, isn't it? Because it's the international break. I, but,
0: I was going to ask, do, do you think Dakure well, have you heard whether Dakure is going to be fit for the Luton game?
1: I mean, I think so. Yeah, it was, I think it's only because he only trained one one game, one day. Sorry, um, you know, and they and they didn't want to risk him. And I think perhaps that was a mistake. Um, but yeah, I, I can only assume. Despite Nate being named in the bench, I can only assume it was too much of a risk, and is better to better to lose the game than than play him. Um, which seems an odd statement to make. But look, you know, there's a, there's enough players on that bench. I mean, look, Holding hasn't had a minute for us, has he? Um, nope. You know, and, and I start thinking, well, I know he, he has played a few games at, at fullback or we could stick him in there in and a, a make a back three of it, you know, and that kind of stuff. So we've not used him in this game despite, you know, some struggles from Ward. Klein didn't get on. Richards didn't get on. Richards can also play right back. And you're just like, okay, we're not going to use these players at all. Um we can't complain when they're not ready when we do need them, um, and we go back to that point again, unfortunately. But look, I mean, bottom line, it was a better performance, like in an attacking sense. There was a lot of positives, you know, Eze's first half performance in particular, but his whole performance in general, and um, and, and say off the bench, you know, obviously no pre-season at all, but you know, he looked he looked pretty much match fit. I think it's fair to say um off the bench straight away which is a testament to to him and and the medical staff getting him ready as well. So let's you know we could be excited about having those two back together on a football pitch but I'm also like I know it's too early for for Franca, for example. I know it's too early but it's just let's have let's have 15 20 minutes with him on with those two. You know. I I'd sacrifice the last 15 20 minutes of a game Take Jordan Ayew off and put Francer on, and just let those guys play together for a bit, just to just to see what it's like, see what happens. Do that against Luton, maybe you know. But I don't feel like we'll ever see that from Roy.
0: No, I don't. I don't think we will. Um, it is Elise was um, very effective when he came on. I, th- I think when we've got to and Lerma back, and that takes a bit of the emphasis off mm. them having to track back so much we'll we'll see some great things but i I don't see us seeing france anywhere near the squad this season really the odd the odd few minutes um here and there yeah probably in the under twenty ones tournaments but I'd, yeah it's it's a shame but i i I think we're expecting too much there
1: yeah another the other weird one for me is is a hammer right because obviously joined us last year big reputation he came with you know like as a, as one for the future admittedly um but like, you know, it's kind of like give him time to settle and then he'll be part. And we were thinking about him being part of this midfield. And all of a sudden, he he almost feels surplus to requirements because what is he? I don't even know what he is anymore. Is he, is he an attacking midfielder? Is he a wide midfielder? Is he, you know, when he joined, I I, I thought he was kind of the traditional number eight, a bit of a box to box, similar to you know, that kind of Gallagher replacement that we were talking about, but he just needed maybe a a season um, before he was ready. But at the moment, it doesn't seem like there's any plan for getting him ready for anything because he's coming on at weird times in weird, weird places.
0: Well, but when players have come on late, you know, let's take Raksaki, for example, Mm. Um, they've made a difference. I think Oh, apologies that's really unprofessional of me i uh, i not <laughs> muted my have not muted my whatsapp tab um i i I think Hamid has been mostly anonymous in the times he's come on um yeah. and we already know that you need to do something ridiculously special for Roy to include you in you know to get longer minutes i I don't think he's done anything to win over. Roy, I don't really think he's done anything to win over the fans that much um, which is which is harsh, I know as he's not had much opportunity, but he was I forgot he was on the pitch when he when he came on the lo- and the last couple of times he's been on
1: really yeah, yeah, that's just kind of what I was getting at i don't I don't know what he's for anymore, and I, I feel a bit sorry for him to some degree, but i guess I guess we'll see, but he just feels like he's going to be one of those kind of forgotten players that that we bring in, and you know we don't use there you go um well let well, let's talk very quickly about um Eze's being booked for for diving um because it it was it was a horrendous decision absolutely terrible decision um like i mean on the sound of the challenge alone like you, you could hear the contact um but the reaction everything about what he did it's extraordinary skill to do to to you know and balance for him to do what he did so i, I you know roy's words were this that he, he shouldn't have been uh, he shouldn't have been booked for simulation i did say to anthony taylor i couldn't see exactly if it was a penalty or or not a penalty from where i was standing but i do know as a and uh, that when he goes into those situations to create a chance, it doesn't go through his head to throw himself down in the hope of getting a penalty. It might have been a collision and no penalty. I'd have accepted that. But to get a yellow card was not right. Uh, it suggests he is a cheat, which he absolutely is not. But I couldn't see from the touchline if it was a foul or not. You shouldn't... Uh, there we go. That was it um, on that matter. So, I mean, pretty strong. that First of all, making sure that, that people understand that is not a cheat. And... It's just another of these. It seems to be the same type of player who gets almost labelled with this. Eze gets fouled a lot, but he doesn't get anywhere near the number of free kicks that I feel like he should. Just in games in general, I think he gets knocked knocked off the ball, shouldered off the ball, um, very cynically, very often. Which you know, referees for some reason seem to think oh, that's a that's a fair challenge on Eze, but nobody nobody else, right? If you do that challenge on. I don't know, Bruno Fernandes, it's a, it's a foul and a yellow card. But on Eze, it's fine. It's shoulder to shoulder. Don't worry about it. So, he's already suffering with a bit of that. You know, a lot of the, the stuff that Wilf used to have to put up with um, in the Premier League. But now we're sort of getting into territory of now. He's formally been booked for diving there. So But VAR come along, and they've probably had a word with Anthony Taylor, because arguably Eze did a couple of fouls afterwards where he could have gone for a second yellow. And they've probably had a word and said, you've You've had one there, Anthony. You didn't see the contact. Fair enough, but it's nowhere near simulation. So it's his back leg, and it's, it can be difficult to see. But so it's his his planted right foot collides with. Uh, Branthwaite takes him down, um, and also Branthwaite knows he takes him down as well, uh, and then goes to the referee uh, shouting that it's a dive. So I have a real problem with that. Um, that a fellow professional is like is, knows he's committed a foul. And honestly, my opinion, and others, others disagree, it's a penalty. It's it's a foul anywhere else on the pitch, so it's a penalty. VAR's not going to overturn it because it's not conclusive enough, but it's one of those, isn't it? It's just absolutely embarrassing for the officials, and they should be apologising.
0: Yeah, I think, as I said, something like, I can't look at the official. Like he, he, in his post-match, was fairly measured, um, and it only came up towards the end of the conversation. But he, yeah, he said he, he can't look at him, which I think means he was he was incredibly annoyed. Uh, look, it it's already from what I could hear on the radio today. It, it's already now discussion that he is a cheat, and mm-hmm. it it seems to be black players that always have this. Like yep. you, you never you 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 don't ever hear about Mo Salah even though he is a diver, he absolutely 100% is. Um, and it, it yeah, I, I, I think that there should need there should be some kind of um, forum. I presume that they're going to look at it and speak to the, the referee and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, it, it impacted the rest of the game for him. Um, I yeah. know they asked him in the post-match, you know, did you have to go easy? And he said no. Um, and you might be right. They might have said, look, don't book him again. You shouldn't have booked him in the first place. Um, yeah. But, it changes, it changes a player that does that kind of thing if they're on a yellow yeah. that early in the game. Um,
1: yeah. So, it a, oh, no, they it been, the
0: yeah. we could have been ahead at that point, you know, because um, yeah. it was a penalty. That, that, I, I mean, I couldn't tell from the other end what had gone on, but mm-hmm. watching it back, it, it's a penalty. Um, yeah. So, you know, that could have totally changed the game.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And, um, Again, we're back talking about VAR and what it's supposed to do and what it's not there to do. And, and I think people have just lost all sight of what it's supposed to be for. Um, you know, to, is, is this in this situation, it's kind of like, well, no, it's letter of the law. It's not supposed to change anything unless it's clear, cl- you know, clear and oh, what's the other word? I can't remember. My brain has gone. But, you know, but, but if it's a clear, clear and obvious. An obvious yeah. But it is a clear but and obvious. It error. would. You
0: know? Yeah, so I, I I guess by the letter of the law, it's it's there to it's to overturn red cards mm-hmm. rather than yellows. Yeah, um, and if but, they say there's not enough evidence to turn over, like you say, the penalty decision, then fair enough. Um, but but that's but, kind of what I mean.
1: I feel like they didn't do it because, like, then they they not only have to give the penalty, but then they have to get he has to then stand there and do that or whatever with the yellow card. And I think they're Precisely. like, I don't, I don't, wanna, so, I don't ask it, my mate to do that. If
0: it so. hadn't been a yellow card, there is no way that they wouldn't have overturned that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. They I, they act the way that, that I it, by by the way VAR should be, how it's hmm. used in the rest of the world, it wouldn't have been overturned. But the way that they use it in the Premier League in the last couple of seasons, if he hadn't have been booked, there's no way they wouldn't have overturned that. No,
1: exactly. That just goes back to the point. I I'm I now firmly in I don't know, assume it's a camp, but if it isn't, I'm making one. Um, That is, any technology in football should just be entirely technological-based, no interpretation whatsoever. It should, like, offside, it should be factually, is that person offside? If they are, fine, let's call it offside, if you want technology in football. Goal-line technology is a great example of that because there's no idiot looking at it saying, oh, I think it's probably over the line. But the second you introduce the idiots and put them in a room and say, interpret this information, like, you know, slow this thing down to an incredibly slow pace and then watch when it looks like a terribly, terrible premeditated foul. But don't under any circumstances then watch it back at full pace where it might change your opinion because we can't have that, you know. There's no common sense, is there? It's just absolute madness um but yeah real real shame for is really um it's time for some the bbc key facts key stats
0: hey um, this is the most okay. exciting bit for me
1: it really is yeah so uh everton boss sean dyche has now won seven of his 16 premier league matches against crystal palace drawn four lost five He has only recorded more victories against bournemouth uh, and I feel that's the, probably the extra motivation from the fact that he's applied for the Palace job so many times and been turned down. Sorry, Sean. It's just yeah. it's just the problem was you, you were at Burnley and you filled the entire team with a certain demographic of player that doesn't really fit with Southland. That's all it was. Don't worry, mate. <sighs> Navigate that one. Everton have scored more goals in the opening minute of a Premier, in Premier League games than any other side in the competition's history. 13. 13 goals in the opening minute over the course of their time in the Premier League. I have no other team to compare it to, so I don't know how much, how far ahead they are, but that's a, that's a hell of a stat. Yeah. Um, odson Edward has now scored as many Premier League goals this season, brackets five, after 11 appearances as he did in the whole of last season, five goals in 35. Uh, which is a good opportunity for me to say I actually thought he was pretty poor in this game, um, looked very much off the pace, looked like the confidence had gone uh, from earlier in the season but he took the goal fantastically well and that shows the value of having a player in and around the kind of penalty area six yard box who has striking instincts and it just means if we created a bit more of that type of opportunity for him he'd probably score more goals right that's what it suggests to me
0: yeah, well, that's what he did at Celtic. Um, uh, yeah, it was Celtic, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it, was, it yeah. um You know, it was proper. Just, they, they, I remember them saying it wasn't expected to track back, wasn't expected. He just a proper old-school six-yard box striker.
1: Yeah, you can play down the middle and play off the left, but as long as you don't ask him to do too much else, get him in the right areas, he scores goals. But um, I don't know if we're ever going to be a, a team that can accommodate that. Um, I don't care about Mikalenko. Um Um Of teams he has faced 15 plus times in the Premier League only against Tottenham Hotspur brackets 4.8% Arsenal brackets 13.6% and Liverpool brackets 16.7% does Crystal Palace boss Roy Hodgson have a worse win percentage than against Everton 17.4% so we have a so Roy as we've known this for years that Roy is absolutely awful at beating Spurs 4.8 percent of matches um oh dear but yeah it's um spurs arsenal liverpool are the teams that we have beaten less than everton which is a considering how poor everton have been at times is really really worrying Uh, but there you go those were the the bbc stats um so maybe we shouldn't have expected any more than we got
0: well, I was expecting the draw because it feels like it's always a bloody draw against Davidson, but um, there you go. Um, <laughs> that, the, that probably other, is it. The other yeah. thing is, I've, um, I've managed to, I always bet on the result of every game, um, just on the Premier League, and I managed to not get a single one right last week, and thus far, with... At the time of recording, Chelsea beating Man City. I'm destined to get every single one wrong this week as well. That's actually pretty fucking difficult to do, people.
1: Uh, yeah, if you could... Can you do that bet of betting that you're going to be wrong?
0: <laughs> Probably, yeah.
1: I need to do that bet that you're wrong. So I need to do the opposite of... what I don't know. It's not the opposite because there's three results. That's always the problem, isn't it? Um, But, yeah yeah I just didn't I, there you go it's 39 minutes at the time of recording just for posterity uh, Chelsea are 2-1 up against City but we're 1-0 down interesting interesting turnaround there mm. anyway probably can't sit here for, for, the, for the rest of that watching that on teletext or whatever I said teletext it's just a website it's just a BBC website I don't know why my brain really, went really teletext
0: teletext if you want to, if you want to go teletext is online if you want to go back to the old school
1: Okay, well, I know what I'm doing with the rest of my day. <laughs> right, page page 302, off I go. Um, anyway, uh, I think that's about it, really, isn't it? Um, got anything else to say?
0: Yeah, I, I didn't want this to be a long one, and we, I don't know how we would managed to get an hour out of it, really. Um, I No, I, I think what we can probably establish is it's so token and cheese between what happened against Burnley and what happened against Everton that there's not a lot of point in us discussing it because against <laughs> Luton, I can only imagine it's going to be something again. And this is a yeah. totally pointless exercise.
1: Okay, good. I think that should be our tagline from now on. Back of the nest, a totally pointless exercise. I like it. Um, all right, good. So at some point, Nick will be doing a preview show ahead of the Luton game um but the content never stops flowing out of dr kerners is that a nice thing to say the content yeah, never nice. stops flowing yeah he, he produces on a continual basis and i'll let you read into that whatever you'd like to read into that so check out our youtube channel uh just search back of the Ch- back of the nest mm. on youtube um and, and, and all, all other things go on the internet and search back of the nest you know especially
0: TikTok because producer Mikey's son managed to get the login for our TikTok so he did. Um, you might you might you might get some content from um like a, a 10-year-old boy as well that's um, it it's probably um, probably better than what we come up with
1: yeah it'd be mainly bird watching related i believe so um yeah but enjoy that and uh, yeah he managed to turn on the two factor authentication as well which is very impressive um yeah good good work good work all right uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks everybody for for listening. If you sent us messages, I apologise that we didn't look at them uh, this week. Usually we do, but um, but it's been a bit of a, a bit of a rush job this week. So um, but hey, oh yeah, hopefully you, you got something out of it, and um, we'll be back again uh, in a couple of weeks' time to to review the Luton game. So we'll see you then. Come on, your palace. <laughs> At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network.
2: TalkSport. Powered by fans.